Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's February 28, 2011, and this is episode 277. Firstly, I really need to apologize for the hiatus since our last podcast episode was released on January 25th, over a month ago. I know that some of you have probably been concerned that I've given up altogether, but that certainly isn't the case. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I've been up in Hokkaido on a reconnaissance trip for a possible new tour in 2012 where we'd visit landscape locations and travel along the west coast of the, and right up to the northern tip of Hokkaido visiting fishing villages and the like. I'll be doing a podcast on the resulting images and possible new trip and the new, new locations that I found very soon, so stay tuned for that if you're interested. I had hoped to get a quick episode out in the four days that I was back from Hokkaido before I left for my Winter Wonderland workshop, but unfortunately I put my back out towards the end of my reconnaissance trip and I ended up spending my four days that I was back home just trying to get better. Anyway, I was fine for my workshop from February 13th to the 24th and it was the best ever. I'll be reporting on this very soon too. My plan right now is to push out as many podcasts in the next two weeks as possible as I'll be leaving for another month after that for my Antarctica expedition with David Burren. I believe there are still a few places left on this tour so although there's not much time left to arrange it, do take a look at luminodyssey.com to see, you know, see if it's something that you might be up for. And also note that today we've announced details of a shorter trip with an early return option for those that are interested but couldn't make a full month or so. The shorter option is just two weeks and I'll put a link in the show notes to that if you're interested. Anyway, on to today's episode. I know that I'm, I'm going to upset a few people, a few Windows users with this today. But believe me, I have used and loved Windows for more than 15 years. So I'm going to try to make this as objective as possible. But I've decided to jump ship to Mac. I bought a MacBook Pro in January and I've spent the last six weeks or so using it as my main machine and getting used to it. Today I'm going to tell you why I've made the decision and let you know what I like about my new Mac. Okay, so let's get the tough bit out of the way quickly. Here are my reasons for leaving Windows. Probably the most frustrating thing from a productivity perspective is the slow startup of my Windows machines. I have a 2.66 GHz quad-core CPU and 8GB of RAM machine and when I first loaded Windows 7 it was like a rocket. Much better than Vista, although Vista also ran very fast for a while after a clean installation of the OS. But therein lies the main problem. It's great for a while, but when you load your production software, your Microsoft Office, your Adobe uh, Creative Suite software, and all of the other applications that you need to actually use your computer, it starts to slow down. 
Sure, my new MacBook Pro boots much slower too now that I have these applications installed. When I first got it, it turned on in 11 seconds from cold to having a usable desktop. Now that takes just over 40 seconds from a cold boot. My Windows machine took almost a minute to boot when it was just installed and although I don't recall exactly how long, it took probably around two minutes to boot as I installed my applications. The bigger problem though is that despite the fact that all I did was continue to use it, that you know, in the months following that clean install, it got gradually slower and slower. I'm no sloth with a PC and I know how to keep them tweaked for optimal performance, but still, it really becomes such a drag as I continued to use it. This was the same for my main Windows machine and my dual core notebook PC. It got so bad that literally I had to go upstairs to my office and turn my Windows machine on before breakfast, just so that I could use it more quickly after breakfast as I started my workday. To compound this problem, the hibernation function of my Windows machines broke after I installed Windows 7 and I was never able to fix that on my main PC. This means that whenever I turned off my PC, I had to show, totally shut it down. Had I been returning from hibernation, this would have been much quicker, but that wasn't possible. Another big factor for me was that there is no native 16-bit printing on Windows. Since buying my Canon Image Prograph IPF6350 large format printer with the ability to print in 16-bit, I've been forced basically to use Photoshop for printing in 16-bit because Canon only produced a print plugin with 16-bit output for Photoshop. There's nothing for Lightroom. Furthermore, the plugin only works with 32-bit Photoshop, so I wasn't even able to print from 64-bit Photoshop which introduces further restrictions on the size of the files that you can create and print. In Lightroom, I can save print presets that include paper size, margin sizes, and my printer profiles, etc. In Photoshop, I have to set this up afresh every time I change my settings. I could have printed in 8-bit from Lightroom on my Windows machine and still use the presets, but that's really dumbing down my printer, and I don't want to do that. Lightroom on the Mac, on the other hand, has 16-bit printing built in because the Mac OS supports 16-bit printing natively and Adobe simply tap into that, totally solving the problem. Another thing that had become a bit of a bugbear for me was that Windows will not put external USB hard disks to sleep. I have a couple of external hard drives that I wanted to make use of, but when I plugged them into my Windows machine, they were spun up all the time until I turned them off. This puts way too much stress on the external hard drives and I really wouldn't like to trust my data on a drive that is spun up all of the time uh, that the computer is turned on, even though I do make regular backups. I tried my external drives on my Mac Mini though and it puts them to sleep when they're not in use which is exactly what I wanted Windows to do, but it just won't do this. One of the reasons that I didn't switch to Mac earlier was actually a similar reason to why most people stick with the same camera system. 
With the camera system, we generally have a large investment in lenses, which make it impractical to change bodies, which can be thought of as the, the platform, or at least the base of the system. With Windows, I've got a lot of small applications that I've invested in, which all mount up to a fair amount. But by far the largest investment in software for me is the Adobe CS5 Master Collection. I figured that buying a brand new license of the Master Collection at almost $2,400 was just too much. But then I did a bit of research online and found that Adobe will allow you to switch platforms if you complete an online digital signature process promising to uninstall the software on, that, on the platform that you have and destroy the media and to not resell it, etc. The process, as far as I'm aware, totally invalidates the license numbers that you originally bought. So really, don't do this if you intend to try to cheat the system. I don't think it'll work. Because I actually bought my CS5 Master Collection from B&H, but I don't have a US Adobe Store account, it was really complicated to switch. I spent a total of about six hours online, and on the phone that is, and although I came across some very confused individuals, or probably I created some very confused individuals, all but one of them were very patient and professional, and we, we got the switch done. All it cost me was $6 in postage fees for them to send me the Mac version, and they even put a 211 uh, table calendar in the box, which I'd have probably paid $6 for anyway, so... All in all, I'm incredibly happy with Adobe's handling of the Switch and their flexibility. Let's move on now and talk about some of the reasons why I'm really enjoying my new MacBook Pro. Some of these are simply a retort to the problems that I was having with Windows, but others are things that I was not aware of until I switched, but I'm really pleased with. So... As I mentioned earlier, even now my Mac has, you know, now that it has all of my production software installed, it still boots in around 40 seconds from a cold start. The other thing that I was really looking forward to, though, was, uh, and, and I was not disappointed with, is that when I'm done with my Mac, I simply close the lid, and this puts it into a very low-level sleep mode in just a few seconds. You can leave it like this for a few days if necessary, but when you want to use it again, you just open the lid and the desktop's there instantly. There's no waiting for the BIOS to run checks, no time for the data to read in from the hard disk, nothing. It's just on, waiting to be used, and this is the biggest frustration fixed right there. I'm really enjoying the multi-touch trackpad on the MacBook Pro too. So much so that I actually bought a standalone Magic trackpad instead of a mouse for when I'm using the Mac at my desk. It takes a bit of getting used to, and I believe that this technology is not just Apple-specific, but it's certainly new to me. Basically, there are things like being able to swipe with two fingers to scroll horizontally or vertically, three-finger swipes move backward and forwards, in browsers or through thumb thumbnails in Lightroom. Four finger swipes switch you between applications and you can even pinch and zoom 
or to you know zoom or rotate images in uh, some applications that is lightroom for one responds to zoom in and zoom out pinch actions the os management of multiple screens is also very slick even if you leave application windows on a second screen the os brings them back to the main screen when you unplug the second screen so there's no need to plug the second screen back in to find your applications like I used to have to do in Windows. I've not had to use it yet, but there's also a button uh, in the display properties to gather windows, which I imagine you, you need to use if the automatic gathering of the windows doesn't work. Of course, being able to print in 16-bit directly from Lightroom is bliss, and I'm now also using my external hard drives without worrying about them being spun up all of the time. Now when I'm not accessing data on these external drives, I'm very happy to see them spin down and go to sleep, saving energy and wear and tear on the disks. Okay, so what don't I like about my new Mac? <laughs> it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but really the worst part about my new Mac so far is Microsoft Office. Yes, as I needed to work with Word, Excel and PowerPoint files, I decided to buy Microsoft Office for the Mac. I could have managed with some Apple software, but I could not find a good way to migrate all of my Outlook Mail from Windows to the Apple Mail application. I found an application that's supposed to convert Windows Outlook databases to Mbox files for import into the Apple Mail app, but this failed to export large chunks of my mail database files and pretty much all of my Japanese mail was corrupted in the export, basically leaving me without a solution. Unfortunately though, Outlook for the Mac is a big piece of crap. Microsoft should be seriously ashamed of this app. You think that they'd invest more R&D dollars into this app than most of the, their other stuff that they work on, trying to win over the, you know, the Mac users. But I guess they figured that the only way, the only reason that people would be using Outlook on the Mac, these are going to be people that they've already lost anyway. So I, I guess that they're not too worried about that. They didn't bother to try to get any real functionality parity between the two platforms. The Mac version of Outlook feels like something that a bunch of students threw together on a weekend over beer and pizza. I found a number of ways to crash it without fail in just a few days of starting to use it. It really is abysmal. Now I'm actually using uh, Outlook on my Mac to access my archives and that's all I'm using it for at the moment. I couldn't, that's basically because, as I say, I couldn't import those into the Apple Mail account um, app. But I am using Apple Mail as my default mail client now. And I've set up my mail accounts as IMAP so that everything that I do in mail gets picked up by Outlook when I, when I do have to open it. Once I can figure out how to import my old uh, Windows Outlook Mail into Apple Mail, though, I'll remove Outlook from the system. Word is actually a lot better. 
Microsoft obviously thinks that they have a chance of winning some customers with this one, and I must admit, I do like the functionality of Microsoft Word, even on a Mac. There are some critical problems too, though. Sometimes uh, I, I've still to figure out when or why, but Command-C and P don't copy and paste all of the time. When it's, not even a, when it's not available, even the shortcuts don't appear in the edit menu, and this is a real pain. Excel works, you know, it works okay, but it's pretty clunky. You also can't do the, the final cut and paste or the final paste of a cell with the enter key, and you, you can't paste the same data to multiple cells at the same time like you can on Windows. Uh, PowerPoint isn't that bad, um, although I haven't really used it all that much yet. But for what I have done with it, it seems okay. Other than that though, I, I really can't think of anything that I don't like about the Mac. There are things that uh, took a bit of getting used to. The print dialogues, for example, are very different to Windows. You have to use a, a pull down in the middle of the dialogue to switch, be switch between the page layout and other dialogues, for example. But once I figured it out, um, it's really not that big a deal. Also, the printer drivers have uh, an option to simply use the last settings that were used again. And this seems to work between applications too, and that's really useful. Most of the applications that I relied on in Windows are available for Mac too. Dropbox and Evernote, for example, both have Mac clients. FileZilla, my favorite FTP client, and Splash ID that I use to save all of my passwords are available. And of course, Firefox, uh, the browser, is available for the Mac. So I was able to sync all of my passwords and bookmarks from Windows using the Firefox Sync plugin. ProShow Producer, the application that I use on Windows to make photo and, and video slideshows, is not available for the Mac which I knew, but it's still a little bit disappointing. I would really like to keep all of my applications on one platform and not have to start Windows for anything like this, but my internet banking also requires Windows, so it seems that my Windows machines will not be retired for a while yet. I imagine I'll end up using some sort of virtual Windows solution at some point, but for now, I'll keep my Windows boxes handy. Another thing that's taken a bit of getting used to, but more because I've moved from a desktop to a laptop as my main machine, is that I only have 500 gigabytes of internal storage on the MacBook Pro. Although that's enough for uh, a few weeks of heavy wildlife shooting, it means that I can't keep a copy of all of my image archive and documents on the machine all at the same time. I've now set, set it up so that my archives are on those external USB drives which now sleep when not being accessed. And I have bare drives that I drop into an external bay to make a second backup too. These second backups will be my off-site backups as soon as I figure out where to do that now that I, I don't have my office from my old day job to put the disks in. I might just go back to sending them you know, to my brother in the UK and 
always keep a second and third copy of the current year, say, in my bag when traveling. Then at the end of, say, 2011, I'll buy two more large drives, back up all of my photos and data to that, and send a fresh copy back to my brother. This will probably be cheaper than signing up for a dedicated service, but that would mean, of course, that I'd need to keep a third uh, copy locally to protect against multiple drive failures and not have to have things sent, sent back from the UK if I do need them. But, you know, I need to figure this stuff out anyway. The biggest thing is that I have to connect drives to see my archives now, and that's new for me, but I'm getting used to it. When I first got my iPad, I found that it was giving me more time with my wife because I started to be able to do so much more, like reading magazines and mail right there from the sofa next to my wife, rather than having to go upstairs to my studio office. This has continued now that I have a laptop powerful enough to do everything that I want again right there next to her, or at least in the living room sitting at the dining table. I have a Windows laptop too, but because of the startup times, there was a greater hurdle to actually picking it up and using it. Now that this hurdle is gone, I can literally do pretty much anything I want, anywhere I want. It's still necessary to put myself in the studio when I need some block time or to really concentrate, but I'm when I'm able to be downstairs with my wife, it's so much better now. And it, re- it just really is nice. It, I, I feel as though it's given me a chunk of my life back. In conclusion, although I am in some ways sad to move away from Windows as my main platform, I'm really happy with my decision to move to Mac full time. Like the iPhone and iPad, there's something about Apple hardware and the Apple experience that sets it apart. In some areas, there are quantifiable benefits, but in others, it simply feels better. Now, I'd better sign off for today before I start sounding too much like the Mac fanboy that I never wanted to become. Okay, so I realized that this was not a directly photography related topic this week, but with digital photography being what it is, the platform that we choose to work with does have a lot to do with how efficiently we can work. So I figured I'd share these recent experiences with you today. Expect to see a number of episodes come out over this next couple of weeks as I try to catch up a little. Some of the episodes may just be video clips and recordings from the field, but I'll try to put a few things in your feed before I leave again for Antarctica, as I won't be able to release anything again for a while um, once I'm out there. Note too that the next MBP photography assignment will be uh, for March and April, two months, as I won't be around to turn it off at the end of March. The theme is otherworldly. Now, I have to admit that part of the reason for this theme is because I'm expecting to see some otherworldly scenes while I'm in Antarctica, but if they are totally obvious, I won't post anything. 
as I'm sure that there aren't going to be too many people um, that are in Antarctica at this time. So I, I, I don't want to give away uh, who I am with my images. Thanks for listening today though and for not unsubscribing during the recent hiatus. Remember that you can find me on Flickr and Facebook as well as Twitter and of course my blog and the photography forum. All links are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so do drop by. I will try to put a few more episodes out quickly over the coming weeks but in the meantime you just have a great week whatever you're doing. Bye bye. This is Dave Warner and I'm the host of the LensFlare35.com podcast. Each week I bring you interviews with some of the top photographers using digital SLR cameras. They share some of their coolest tips and tricks, techniques and news about what they're up to. So please take a moment to visit the website or subscribe to LensFlare35 on iTunes. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.